Thank you for tuning in with us at Bayou City Fellowship Spring Branch, a community that's radically focused on Jesus. We are currently celebrating the Advent season together as a church, remembering the story of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fulfillment of God's promise and prophecies. We pause to reflect on His arrival and long for His glorious return. Well, with a quick show of hands, uh, how many of y'all can agree with this statement? I hate moving. Anybody hate moving like I hate moving? Before I go on, how many of y'all like, anyone here like love moving? Anybody actually love moving at all? Kind of over here? The reason why I think many of us hate moving is this, uh, two reasons. Number one is often when we're moving, we have a deadline, a, a day we're going to close and sign all the papers, a day when our lease is up and we have to get everything out. So imagine packing up everything you've owned or going to own or whatever in a box, whatever, by a certain date. And so there's the stress and the pressure of trying to pack up everything you own by a certain date to get moved out of apartment A into home B or condo A to apartment B, whatever it is. There's the stress of deadlines and trying to pack up everything that you own in boxes and containers doing that. So that's one of the reasons why I think so many of us don't like moving. Uh, I'm actually doing a wedding next month, uh, one in March and one in April, and all the couples I've talked to, the thing that they hate the most about getting married is this, is having to move. One spouse is going to have to sell their house and move or move out of their apartment, and so they're not looking forward to that. They're looking forward to like enjoying life together with their husband or wife, but they're not looking forward to moving. And the second reason I think is this, is how many of y'all have ever, during a move, lost something? Everybody lost something? And that's the other thing, is it can be actually lost, maybe still on the moving truck, which is already now in Nebraska somewhere, or it can be packed in a box somewhere or in your attic that you don't know where it is. And so inevitably, we will lose something. And that happened to us recently. So my wife and I, we have moved like into West Spring Branch, right down the street here. And in our move, uh, the other day, my wife was decorating her house, and she said, have you seen our wreath? And I said, I haven't seen it. And I said, it's probably in one of the boxes in the closet or in the garage somewhere. She said, I've looked everywhere and I can't find our wreath. Now, this wreath was special to us. We've had it probably for like a decade. And it says on it, happy birthday, Jesus. And we had it on our door. And so we'd remind people coming to our house, remind ourselves that the reason why we celebrate Christmas is not gifts, is not Christmas parties, is not dinners, is not you know, waiting in long lines or trying to find a parking spot. The reason why we celebrate Christmas is because it is the birthday of Jesus. That's why we celebrate Christmas. And so we uh, found another wreath, but there's no happy birthday Jesus this time, so hopefully we'll make a new one or find our old one somewhere. But again, the reason why we hate moving is because we tend to lose stuff. Now here's the big question today. Why do we celebrate the birthday of Jesus? Why do we celebrate the birthday of Jesus? And I believe the answer is found in several scriptures. We're going to look at uh, three today, but turn with me first to Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two. Why do we celebrate the birthday of Jesus? Why the hurrah globally, even for a lot of non-Christians and people who don't believe in Jesus, why do we celebrate this thing known as Christmas, this thing known as Advent? Luke chapter two. Verse four, now Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. You can pause right there. And so they are in Nazareth, and now they're going down to Bethlehem, which is about 85 miles away. So this is the days before cars and trains and airplanes. 
So they're walking 85 miles to travel to register for the census. Verse 6, I'm sorry, verse 5. In order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him and was pregnant. Verse 6. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Put your pencil right there. Uh, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, written about 700 to 730 years before this, prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So if God says he's going to do it, God's going to do it. So they've been waiting 700 years for the Messiah. And verse 7 says this, And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So here we find the historical record of Jesus' birth. Now, let's be intellectually honest. We don't know if Jesus was actually born on December 25th. Some scholars say he may have been born in the spring. Some say in the fall because the shepherds were out during that time, and normally the shepherds were not out during the winter. Probably happened 5 B.C., 4 B.C., somewhere in that range. So we don't know the exact date of Christ's birth. But here's what we do know. A historical and actual figure named Jesus Christ was born. He was a man who walked this earth. I don't know of a reputable historian that would argue that there was no such person as Jesus Christ. Now, we don't know, again, the exact date of his birth, but Micah 5, 2 says he's born in Bethlehem, and verse 7, she gave birth to her firstborn. Why does he call Jesus her firstborn? Is because after that, Mary had other children. Now, they were all half-brothers of Jesus, like James, who wrote the book of James, but she had other children, but Jesus was her firstborn, and just like we would swallow a newborn, she swallows her newborn baby, Jesus Christ, and you know the story. There's no room for the end, and so he is placed in a feeding trough, in a manger. So here's point number one, is simply this. Jesus had a physical birthday. God is eternal. He's always existed. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. God has always existed, but John 1.14 tells us that he was born. He became flesh. And the question is, why did God in the flesh have a physical birthday? Why do we celebrate Jesus' birthday? And the answer, I believe, is found in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. There's a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. They believe that you can be right with God by keeping the law and keeping tradition. And he has this debate with Jesus. And he says to Jesus, like, how do I get right with God? How do I see the kingdom of God? Let's let's look at John 3. We've got time. Just turn one book over. John chapter 3. He says in verse 3, look at Jesus, his response, a very uh, common phrase. Jesus responded and said to this Nicodemus, said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So at this point, if I'm Nicodemus and I've studied the Old Testament law, I'm probably scratching my head saying, all right, what do you mean by that? Are you saying, and he says this, as an older man that you want me to basically crawl back into my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus says, that's not what I'm talking about. You're missing the point. This is what I want you to do. You have to be born of water and the spirit to see the kingdom of God, which is both the eventual earthly kingdom of Jesus, but even the eternal kingdom. You have to be born of water and of the spirit. Some scholars say this, that born of the water means that when a woman's water breaks, when she gives physical birth, and then there has to be a spiritual rebirth. They have to have both those things. But an Old Testament scholar would probably look at this and say, you know what? He's talking about being cleansed, being cleansed by water, and then also being spiritually reborn by the Spirit. And this is what's known as being born again, being a new creature in Christ, as Paul would say. So here's point number two. 
Jesus had a physical birthday so you could have a spiritual birthday, so that you could be born again. As the song Hark the Herald Angel Sing, he came to give us, he was born to give you and I second birth. Not crawling back in the womb of our mother and being born again, but being born again spiritually. And the question is this, why do I need to be born again spiritually? Why do I need to have this spiritual birthday? Jesus came to have a physical birthday so I could have a spiritual birthday. Why is that necessary? And I'm gonna give you three birthday principles in Ephesians chapter two. So turn there, Ephesians chapter two. And I'll give you a little heads up uh, if you're a part of ICD Fellowship. Next year in the fall, we're gonna go through the book of Ephesians, which talks about the church. So I'm giving you a little preview now. In Ephesians chapter two, Paul is written a letter to the church at Ephesus, and he says this in verse one. He says, and you were dead in your offenses and sins. He's talking to Christians, those who place their faith in Christ. And he says, there was a point in your life, though physically you were alive, you were born, you had a pulse, you were breathing, that you were dead in your offenses and sins. So here's birthday principle number one. Though born physically alive, we're all born spiritually dead. We're born spiritually dead. And the reason why he says there in verse one is because of our offenses and our sins. God is absolutely perfect. He's holy. He's set apart. There is no sin in God. And so what he has to do is he separates himself from us and God is a source of life. And so if God is a, a source of life, if we're separated from him, what happens is we are spiritually dead. Um, I'm glad my daughters are here today. I'll embarrass them during the second service now. Um, so I'm kind of a, a, a clean freak. I don't like to have my hands dirty or my face dirty. Like if you ever go out to lunch with me, you'll notice I use a lot of napkins because I wipe my hands all the time and wipe my face. So I like my hands to be clean. And I remember when they were little babies and now they're like adults now, so it's kind of hard to imagine this. But I love them. I love them. They were so cute, so cuddly. They are my daughters. But here was the problem. My wife would say, can you change their little poopy diapers? Right? And so whether it's 3 a.m. or midnight or 3 in the afternoon. So here was my problem. Here's my problem. I love them. I love them. But I hate the filth they produce. So this is what happened. In order for me to have a relationship with them, Somebody has to do something about their filth. And so until someone did something about their filth, there was a separation. And that's what the text here says, is that because of our offenses and our sins, our moral filth, our spiritual filth, God says there's separation. So again, we are all born physically alive. We have a pulse. We have a birth certificate that says you were born in this day, in this hospital, but we're born spiritually dead. But here's some good news. Look at verse four. The greatest, one of the greatest butts in the Bible but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love of which he loved us, even when we were dead, spiritually dead in our wrongdoings, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So here's the second birthday principle. We are spiritually born again through faith in Jesus Christ. God makes us alive spiritually through faith in Jesus Christ. Through faith in Christ, God, by his mercy, because of his love, he makes us now alive with him. We can be, uh, have a relationship with God. We can be forgiven for all of our sins. We can know the will of God because someone has done something about the filth that we produce. And that person is the one that we celebrate the birthday of, Jesus Christ. So we're born spiritually, born again through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, 
There was a, a group, this term faith or trust is kind of hard to understand. There was a group, a tribe in a remote island that did not have a word for the word faith or trust. And so some missionaries were there sharing the good news about the birthday of Jesus Christ and the life of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And so they said, you have to put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ. And they had no concept of that. And this uh, missionary saw this man swinging in a hammock. If you've ever seen a hammock between two trees. My wife and I were in Mexico uh, two weeks ago. We had several times we were in a hammock. And he said, what is that man doing right there? And he says, he has put his full weight into the hammock. And then the missionary says, that's what you need to do. You need to put your full weight into Jesus Christ. You need to lean and trust him. Put your whole being and trust into him. And he says, if you do that, you can be born again. How do I know that? Look at verse eight. Look at verse eight. We'll get the third birthday principle. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. The third birthday principle is this. We are spiritually born again by faith, not by good works or actions. It's a gift that God gives us. We receive it simply by trusting, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. So you may be here today and you say, you know what? I've asked this question many times before. If you died tonight, you know, would you know if, if Gabriel was there asking you why should you get into heaven? What would you say? And I've heard people say, well, I've been a good person. Try to be a good dad. I go to church. I'm pretty generous with my money. I try not to cuss. I try not to cheat. I try not to do these things. And Gabriel would say, no, no, no. That's, that's, none of those things work out. Because you have to be absolutely perfect to see the kingdom. And none of us in here are perfect, amen? amen? I don't know about you, but I know for sure my thoughts aren't perfect, my life's not perfect, my choices aren't perfect. We all fall short. Now, here's the thing. Some of us fall short more than others. Look around. There's probably some pretty wicked people in here, right? That if you said, you know what, if they're the measure of getting into heaven, I'm all right then. But they're not the standard. God is the standard, and that's perfection, I'll brag on my wife a little bit. Uh, some of you know this. Uh, she's a two-time All-American, uh, narrowly missed qualifying for Olympic trials. And so let's say one day uh, we're at the Grand Canyon and you're there with her. And the object is the other side of the Grand Canyon is the eternal kingdom. If you can clear from this side to the other side, you've entered the kingdom on your own work and merit. If you can do it. And so let's say you jump. And let's say you were All-American as well and you were able to jump 27 feet. Let's say you're not very athletic and you're only able to jump seven feet. And then my wife goes 20 feet or 21 feet. Still, no matter how far you jump, because you can't cross that large chasm, you've missed the mark. And that's what sin is, missing the mark. And so it's only by trusting in Jesus, who was born perfect, lived a perfect life, that we can now be born again. So the reason why, one of the reasons why we celebrate the birthday of Jesus, the physical birthday is so that you and I can have a spiritual birthday and that we can be born again, have a relationship with God to enter into and see God's eternal kingdom. Here's a big idea for today. Jesus had a physical birthday so you could have a spiritual birthday. And wouldn't it be amazing that as we celebrate the birthday of Jesus Christ, if you're here today and you're not a believer, you're not a Christian, you haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if today would be your spiritual birthday, that every year you could go back and say on December 24th, that's my spiritual birthday. That's the day I place my faith in Jesus Christ. And it's significant because it's Jesus' birthday as well. He had a physical birthday so that I could have a spiritual birthday. There's a tradition in Sweden 
Any, any Swedish people in here? Anybody from Sweden in here? I want to make sure. Okay, let me make sure if this is fact. I read this article. So, it, it, you know, everything on the internet is true, but I, this was an article I saw. That in Sweden, this is what boyfriends do. So if you are a boyfriend here today or a husband here today, you've not gotten your wife or girlfriend a gift, this is a good gift idea. What they do is they have themselves placed inside of a box. They have that gift, uh, that box wrapped with wrapping paper, and then they have that gift, that box delivered to the home of their girlfriend. And so then the girlfriend opens that gift, and ah, it's your boyfriend, right? It's your husband, Here's what that message is telling us. Here's that message is telling us. As we give gifts and exchange gifts tomorrow, here's what the message is in that Swedish tradition. The greatest gift you can give somebody you love is yourself. The greatest gift you can give somebody you love is yourself. That's what's symbolized in this tradition in Sweden. Now, here's the thing. John 3.16 says it this way. Later on, after this talk with Nicodemus, Jesus says, for God so loved the world, for God so loved you and I, everyone in this room, he loves you, that he gave, he gave the greatest gift, which is Jesus Christ, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal, everlasting life. And so that's what God did. God loves each and every one of us, and rather than giving us little gifts and trinkets here and there, what he did was he gave us the greatest gift, which was himself. And so on this day that we celebrate today and tomorrow, the birth of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ came as this gift. The reason why we exchange gifts is because the wise men came and gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's part of it. But the reason why, the ultimate reason why is because God is a giver of good gifts and he gave us his son. So again, wouldn't it be a special day today that if you're here today, if you not place your faith in Christ, you don't know for sure that you are a believer, a Christian, you don't know if heaven is your home. You don't know if your sins are forgiven. That today would be your spiritual birthday by placing your faith in Jesus Christ alone. By putting your full weight into him. Let's pray together. God, we collectively say happy birthday, Jesus. And God, we recognize that Jesus, a historical figure who claimed to be God in the flesh, was born physically, an eternal God became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, as it says in John 1:14, and dwelled among us, lived among us, lived an absolutely perfect and pleasing life, gave his life, resurrected three days later, and now see at the right hand of God. God, I pray now for anyone here today who's yet to put their faith in Christ that today be the day they place their faith in Jesus Christ alone, that they put their full weight in Christ, that Christ would be that hammock that wraps them and engulfs them, both today and into eternity. God, we're so grateful that you don't just talk love from heaven. You sent prophets, you had priests, but God, you sent your son. So we celebrate the birthday of Jesus Christ because he had a physical birthday so that everyone in this room under the sound of my voice, those watching online, can have a spiritual birthday, can be born again, and see your eternal kingdom. God, we bless you for that. We worship you for that. We pray all this in Jesus' name. 
And all God's people said, amen. If you're here today and you placed your faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time, here's my encouragement to you. Would you let somebody know? Would you let the person who invited you to Bay City Phelps say, hey, I put my faith in Christ today. I became my birthday. This is my spiritual birthday. Uh, we'd love to celebrate you. And if, if you are here today and you just saw something online and don't have somebody brought you, um, I'll be available after the worship gathering. I'll be right over here. We'd love to talk to you more about that as well. Because just like a physical baby is born, has to be nurtured and grown and developed, spiritual babies need to grow and mature as well. We want to help you do that. Hey, at this time, uh, like I mentioned last week, Jesus is the light of the world. He came to bring light into the darkness. If you need a candle, would you just raise your hand there? We'll get you a candle. Anybody need a candle before we do the candle lighting? Just raise your hand high up in the air. Just raise your hand in there. If you need a candle, we'll get that candle to you. This is my favorite part of the time, I'm sure for you as well, of our Christmas Eve gathering. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that you feel encouraged. To stay up to date with our current sermon series, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to find more ways to get involved with the Bayou City family, visit us online at bayoucityfellowship.com or download the Bayou City Fellowship Spring Branch app to find community in the body of Christ.